the political world, or at least the part of it that includes the U.S. and Europe, may be roiling with chaos, but at the London Book Fair this week, publishers welcomed the pandemonium. Welcome to Copyright Clearance and podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Attendance is up for London Book Fair 2017, organizers announced cheerily. Local press coverage of Brexit, the UK's withdrawal from the EU, cast a shadow, though not a terribly gloomy one, on a week that brought spring blossoms to the city streets. Prime Minister Theresa May has yet to trigger Article 15, and publishers could enjoy a few more days of wondering what happens next rather than finding out. Joining me, as he does every Friday, is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, and good to see you here in London, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Yeah, nice to be with you on the side of the pond, as they say. Indeed, and we're here a month earlier than usual. Usually we find uh, it is, uh, you know, Ode to be in England now that April's there, so this time we have to do it in London, but no, no problem with that because the weather has really cooperated and made getting around the city a pleasant experience for all the attendees at the book fair, which, in fact, seemed busier than in past years, and I guess, well, because it was. Yeah, that's right. You know, it certainly did seem very busy in the exhibit hall, uh, and part of that is probably because you know the narrow hallways in Olympia always make it seem a little crowded. But in fact, uh, although we don't have final attendance numbers, uh, London Book Fair Director Jax Thomas did confirm for us on Wednesday that pre-registration numbers for this year's fair were up by double digits over 2016. In fact, a couple of vendors who were given information about this said that the number was around 15%, and that's a pretty significant boost. Uh, And I think that boost, no doubt, comes from both the weak pound and two straight years now of positive sales, uh, including a resurgence in print books. That's a resurgence in print that we've been talking a lot about, and it was the subject of the fair's opening keynote at the uh, Quantum Conference sponsored by Nielsen. So is it safe to say that rising print sales is a trend at this point? Yeah, you know, I think so. In his opening keynote at Quantum, Nielsen UK Steve Bohm ran down the UK 2016 book industry stats, which showed that British print book purchases were on the rise for the second year in a row. And in terms of volume, they were up about 4%. Uh, And with higher prices boosting spending, uh, that translated to about 7% more in revenues. Bohm said that the industry should be buoyed by these uh, strong 2016 results and overall solid growth, uh, especially among the younger consumers. And indeed, publishers seem to be very much buoyed by this. At her opening press conference, uh, Jax Thomas sort of race through her slides because there wasn't really need to explain very much. All the numbers were very positive. And dare I say it, she smiled the whole time. (laughs) You know, much different than in years past. I remember from 2011 or 2012, right up until about 2015, uh, when digital was still uncertain, uh, the global recession had hit everybody, uh, that the press conferences were much, much different at the opening. Uh, But for the last two years, the news has been good. Now, I have to say that I do worry that publishers may see this resurgence of print as a turning point. Well, uh, maybe it is. But I'm not really you know, able to predict the future at this point. Bookstore sales are also up, which is also a good thing. And But at the same time, ebooks are in decline, though publishers don't seem terribly concerned about it. But what's most concerning to me is a, a point that Bohm made in his presentation that I don't think many people have paid much attention to, and that's that the people who say they are reading books daily has dropped over the last three years. It's down about 3%. And at the same time, Bohm said, uh, daily use of social media and things like social video sites like YouTube, etc., Snapchat are surging, uh, especially among the younger age groups. So we'll take 
good news where we can get it when it comes to book sales and strong book sales and bookstores. But I think his advice to publishers was not to be complacent, that there's uh, still challenges coming from other media. And I think that's pretty sound advice. Indeed, it is. A, the sort of a call to be uh, on guard is one that people are sort of, I think, expecting to hear because, as I said in the intro, um, we face Brexit any day now, and that leaves us with a future that's terribly uncertain. And just this week, in fact, Parliament cleared the way for the UK to actually begin the work of leaving the European Union, and publishers that you spoke with had strong feelings about that. Tell us what you heard. Yes. Yeah, so what I heard was that there are fears about what Brexit is going to mean once it finally happens, but I also heard publishers say that Brexit is hurting them right now. Uh, and as you know, the fair opened just one day after British lawmakers cleared the way for the formal work of leaving the EU to begin, which in the coming weeks, once Theresa May invokes Article 50, uh, basically a two-year clock starts running on the UK to get all its agreements straight. Publishers Association CEO Stephen Lutinga said that means that Britain now has two years to figure out what kind of country it wants to be. Broadly speaking, Latinga spoke about the underlying problem of Brexit, and that's that UK publishing is successful because its traditions of openness, diversity, and its international nature have really held it aloft. Now, whether these values are sustained in the future are going to have an enormous impact uh, on the industry, Latinga said. Uh, but more to the point, and you can read my report on this uh, on the Publishers Weekly website, uh, DK Publishing CEO Ian Hudson ran down the, the practical challenges he sees with Brexit. And the chief among them was talent and labor. Hudson said that 81 of his 500 UK employees don't have British passports, and he demanded an immediate commitment from the government to find a way to allow them to stay. He called it inhuman to negotiate deals using the lives of his workers and their careers as bargaining chips. Uh, and in the Q&A period, HarperCollins CEO Charlie Redmayne backed up Hudson. He said that the Polish workers and Harper's Scottish outposts are starting to go back home because uncertainty looms over whether or not they're going to be allowed to stay in the U.K. Diversity and creativity go hand in hand, Hudson said. And he added that U.K. publishers have to be able to recruit and keep international talent as well as workers for its various warehouses, uh, and that you know they need help. If they're going to continue to develop books that are going to appeal to global markets, they need to have some certainty sooner rather than later on that score. Currency fluctuations are also an issue, Hudson noted. You know He conceded that the weak pound has helped the export business, and that it could help UK printers compete internationally, but it has also significantly increased DK's overseas printing costs, as well as the costs of maintaining international offices. Uh, but most damaging, fluctuating currency seems to be hindering the business because many of DK's customers have to commit to taking quantities of books a year or 18 months before they actually have to pay for them. So not knowing what or how much they're actually going to end up paying is a problem. Hudson also urged the UK government to commit to free trade principles. Uh, it's a, he, a mantra that he repeated over and over was that trade barriers destroy economic value, uh, a note that our president in the US might take note of as well. Uh, and he also urged the UK to find a way to remain engaged on copyright issues in Europe. Copyright and intellectual property and piracy protection are fundamental, he said, but the UK has now given up its seat at the EU. He called that a backward step and said that they now have to find new ways to influence that discussion. 
Still on the show floor, Brexit and the Trump administration in the U.S. seem to actually be animating the fair this year. Uh, one publisher, Anthony Forbes Watson, who's the managing director of Pan Macmillan, uh, told us that the industry seemed to be feeding off the chaos in the outside world rather than being depressed by it. And we heard that consistently from person after person on the show floor. And I'll sum it up with Duncan Heath, the editorial director at Icon Books, who said books are a solid thing in a changing world. You know, a great summary of the sentiment around Brexit uh, at the London Book Fair, and I'm particularly uh, interested in thinking more about the whole question of values here and what Brexit will mean to publishers and their values and how they respond to it. I'm sure we'll hear more from you about that in coming weeks and months. And you hit on copyright, and um, I know you were very excited to attend uh, the annual Clark Lecture here, and that featured a couple of folks that you really enjoy listening to, U.S. Judge Pierre Laval, who authored the decision in the Global Books case, and John Baumgarten, who is a longtime lawyer in Washington, D.C., and and a a sort of a a fundamentalist uh, around copyright, who was involved in the drafting of the 1976 Copyright. Act. So certainly both of them with great experience and great uh, insights there. And they were going to have a debate or maybe just a discussion about fair use. How did it go? Yeah, well, you know, being there listening to Pierre Laval talk about fair use was like being at the World Series for me. <laughs> you know me well. Uh, that, may be, that may sound sad to some people, but I truly enjoyed it. Uh, I've followed his career for a long time and read a lot of his decisions, and uh, especially his decision in the Google case. Uh, so it really did live up to my expectations. And, you know, it really wasn't a debate at all, because as, as you point out, Baumgarten and, and Laval have known each other for over four decades, and they engaged really warmly. And they said right out that it wasn't going to be a debate, and it was really more of a, of a cordial uh, sort of back and forth. In terms of the Google case, I don't think Pierre Laval really has spoken publicly much about the decision, but he didn't really delve too deeply uh, into the case. It was more of sort of a, offered sort of a coda to the case. He didn't really defend it so much because you know it was a unanimous decision. Uh, the decision. Was was printed and left on everybody's seats. There wasn't really terribly a lot to say at this point. But he was really there, which I was struck by, that Laval was really there as an ambassador for American fair use, which, as much as Brexit, has been a driving fear factor over here for the past few years in London. At last year's International Publishers Congress, for example, Arno Nuri gave this blasting critique of uh, proposed exceptions to copyright law in Europe. And, you know, there was some 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 moments of disagreement. Uh, Baumgarten definitely lamented the shift in power from the creative industries to the tech sector, and he lamented the way the, the transformative has been redefined by the courts. And, you know, he, he also sort of went at how American fair use is sort of turning into really just free use. But Laval was really sort of a voice of reason there, especially when it came to defending American fair use, which he came out and said, it's not your enemy, it's your friend. Now, I'm not sure whether that talk scowled with the publishers, uh, many of whom I know have taken on almost a religious fear when it comes to fair use. Uh, But really, there was no better ambassador for copyright and for fair use than Pierre Laval. I enjoyed his talk immensely. Uh, You can read my story about uh, how that went on the Publishers Weekly website today. Uh, And I'll just add that the lecture was jam-packed. A lot like a couple of the events I saw you at. Well, yeah, no, I enjoyed chatting with a variety of people. Some panels we did uh, touched on uh, digital transformation. You wouldn't think that's making news today in publishing, but it still is. As I uh, mentioned to people, it's rather like Dorothy clicking her heels together. They keep saying, you know, uh, there's no place like home. There's no place like digital transformation. And by saying it, it happens. There's a lot of work involved. And the insight that came out of a survey the Copyright Clearance Center sponsored was really that digital transformation 
Foundation is about transforming the relationship with the customer and bringing you, the publisher, whoever you are, closer to the customer, an insight that I think is is worth uh, giving some more thought to. We also hosted a panel, actually it was uh, Tracy Armstrong doing the moderating, she's our CEO, on the rise of the researcher. And in scholarly publishing, the real opportunity that digital brings for publishers, for anyone really, is to try to do things better. And a lot of researchers have seen uh, problems in the workflow from research to publication, and they want to help solve those problems. So we had a panel uh, that uh, brought in several innovative researchers who've leapt from the lab into the office, the publishing office, uh, with some surprising results. So we'll be making podcasts of all of those discussions in coming weeks. And I hope you'll uh, download those and get something from them. Anyway, Andrew Albanese, it's delightful to see you here in London. Let's get outside and enjoy just a little bit more of that uh, early spring weather and talk to you again next week on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. For so many reasons, scholarly publishing in 2017 is innovative and dynamic. At London Book Fair earlier this week, Copyright Clearance Center CEO Tracy Armstrong moderated a panel she called The Rise of the Researchers. Much of the energy in scholarly publishing comes from the researcher community who have broken out of their roles as content contributors to establish themselves as the partners, customers, and even competitors of publishers. As panelist Sybil Wong head of partnerships at Sparrow, pointed out, researchers are driving innovation and finding new roles far beyond the laboratory bench. I think some of the emerging models also coming from startups uh, who have a research background is trying to break down all the different units that go into a publication. So rather than the, the publication be the only measure of a scientist, thinking about contributions to larger data sets, contributions as a younger scientist to peer review. The rise of the researchers Coming up next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Mm-hmm.